Welcome, Welcome to, to the Better, Better Call Daddy Show. This is Big Daddy. Oh my God, that's hysterical. More stories you are not going to believe. And advice that you didn't know that you needed. Five stars. Five and a half stars. We're creating a legacy one call at a time. Here comes my daddy. Your problem is, is that you like me. My dad is my hero. He'll always be there to take your call, and you'll never be in too much trouble if your dad is around. Oh, boy. Hey, hey, hey. I think I'm a pretty cool dude. Better call daddy. The safe space for controversy. This is your host, Rena Friedman-Watts. No, this is your host, Celia Watts. More inspirational stories, more daddy drama, and more laughs. Hey, a lot of these things, I don't know where you're getting them from. It sounds like they're coming from when I look in the mirrors. Damn the public. Damn the public. <laughs> Introducing Casey Stubbs. This guy goes above and beyond for relationships. After our episode together, he made me a screen share on how he thought I could monetize my own show. Amazing. He's a father of nine, and every summer, he took those nine kids in a van across country to visit his grandparents because he values relationships. He's also on a mission to help people make six figures trading in the financial markets. Casey Stubbs, welcome to the Better Call Daddy show. Hey, hey. Hi. I'm excited about this. This has been on the calendar one too many times, right? (laughs) Yes. Yes, it has. I wanted to start with something that you have pinned to your Twitter that I have no idea about. You just launched some sort of new class. It's the prop account, (laughs) right? Yeah. That's what I'm thinking it is. I tried to click on that and I'm like, this is a foreign language to me, Casey. Okay. So you're a podcaster and all of your podcasts are about like interviewing traders and Bitcoin people and crypto. And do you ever take just a complete 180 from that? I haven't really. I mean, sometimes sometimes I'll do like, it's usually all finance related, but sometimes I'll like, okay, so I had a guy from the CIA. Ooh. And I could intro you to him, by the way. And he kind of blew up. His podcast blew up really big, like in a year. And he pitched himself to me. He's like, there's things in the CIA about mindset that would impact your trading. Would you like to be, can I be on your show? I'm like, sure, go for it. What a cool angle. Actually, yeah. and I know mindset is something that's important to you because you said in order to be a good trader, it really is important. Yeah. Yeah. And so I let him on the show and it was a great conversation. And I learned something from him too, because now I, I learned how to pitch to get on shows a little better. And uh, it's helped me get on more shows through pitching smarter. Tell me about that. What does that look like? I did this pitch for Mark Savant's show. Uh-huh. And he's got a show called After Hours Entrepreneur. And I said, hey, you're, you have a mission to get six-figure podcasters. I said, I love that mission. And I have a mission to create traders that are six figures. And I've also got three six-figure side hustles, by the way, that I could talk about on your show. And so he's got an assistant, right? And his assistant gave me the random, oh, thanks, here's the just the canned response, you know, because he gets pitched a lot. And then he, Mark himself, responded to his assistant. He said, hey, Jim, I just wanted to jump in here because Casey's pitch stood out to me. I don't see too many good pitches like this. And my assistant does the same thing. 
<laughs> so it's kind of the idea of assistants think about checklists and getting things done because that's what they do. They're administration assistants. I'm thinking vision and other things. If you sometimes your assistant is just checking the list, getting the job done, and they don't think in that term. You try to train them to think like that. But I was just really happy that it stood out to him. I mean, that's an awesome pitch. I was like, how did she shut that down? <laughs> well, you know, it's not so much as shutting it down. It's just like, okay, I'm going through the motion. Here's the canned response. This is how Fill out the form. Yeah. 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 Have you had any other third door experiences? Have you ever skipped the line? I mean, just networking stuff. Networking stuff is really just so powerful. Yeah. I know the last time we talked, you said that you had a guest on and then that led to you getting your entire family to go on a trip. Yeah. Yeah. I'm loving this networking stuff. It's just so cool. Can you share that story? Sure. Sure. You know, I'm excited to chat, but I'll, we'll talk about whatever you want. Let's go. We're recording. <laughs> Tell me that story. Jeremy Newsom, he was a podcast guest of mine. He was just a nice guy. One of the things I do to help monetize my podcast is I am a trader. I sell trading education. I have a lot of traffic that comes to my website. And so I get other people that have trading education companies and I interview them about trading education. And so he ended up buying traffic off of me. I monetized my podcast and it wasn't a huge media buy. It was like a $2,000 buy. And he was like, yeah, it's just so great working with you because I did some things where I went above and beyond, you know, like he would have a question about marketing and I would be like, well, your landing page is really messed up. Not to be rude, but you need to change this, this, and this. And I would do a custom screencast video where I showed him what needed to be fixed. And so then he's like, yeah, you know, working with you is really good. If you're helpful, so partially is networking, but partially is being helpful, being a helpful person. And if you're going to work with somebody, try to help them out. And so just the relationship kind of progressed and he ended up doing another buy off of me. And then, then after that, he said, Hey, I want to do something for you. And it was kind of being mysterious about it. And he sent me a text and he sent me a picture of this like resort, this island resort. And it was like this beautiful, like screenshot. He's like, what do you think of this? And I'm like, yeah, that looks great. Looks amazing. And so he's like, okay, well, I want to invite you and your wife there. We're having a trader's it's the world's greatest traders conference and it's $10,000 a ticket and it's on a private island and I want to give you and your wife access for free. So I was like, okay, it was pretty cool. I mean, that's beyond cool. Yeah. That has to be like one of the best benefits that have come from the podcast. Well, and not only that, it was so <laughs> fun. It was so fun. And it was like, the event was just so impactful. It really was. I got the name wrong. It was the world's most impactful traders. And it was just so impactful. So such a good. And I ended up getting like three traders to interview for my show from that. How cool is that to like connect with people and have a shared experience like that? Right. Yeah. And he, he's was, you know, Jeremy's an amazing guy. He, he just did such a good job of hosting the live event. Like he's just one of those guys, like every time we'd all sit together for a meal and then he's like, okay, what's your win? What's your takeaway? And he's getting feedback from everybody in the group, getting everybody to share. It's just real leadership, real taking advantage of the moment. It was just a really good time. Okay. I'm going to switch gears a little now. I, I'm curious, like, what do people say about you, Casey? What do what people say, say about, about you? Give me some Casey tidbits. <laughs> uh, I have no idea what they say about me. I don't hear that. You know what I You're mean? You're not getting that feedback. <laughs> you need to ask for more feedback, I guess. I need. You know what I need to do is like, okay, when you and Joe 
are talking and you guys mention my name, what do you guys say about me? Do you do that? Do I ask people what they say about me? Yeah. I guess I probably could ask more as well. But like when I think about that question, I think like, what would my best friend say at my wedding? That's a good way to rephrase it. So I really don't know what people say about me, but I have this book that I read called Living Forward by Michael Hyatt. He said that when you're planning your life, plan based off of what you want people to say about you at your funeral. So you're like planning your life with the end in mind. And so you go through each area each relationship and say okay what what do I want my wife to say about me what do I want my kids to say about me what do I want my business partners to say about me and then just plan your actions and your life based off of that and so I have I have a book that I wrote based off of those things I know that what I want people to say about me is that I put relationships over business and that I was a person of integrity that would do the right thing no matter what the circumstances were. I love that. And can you paint that picture a little bit for me? I know that you work mornings and then you spend time with family because you are a dad of nine. That's true. So it's hard for me to do this because I'm kind of all over the place, but I try really hard to be consistent. And that's why I keep the book with me. And I do the same thing with trading and with business. Like every every category has like a little book that I'm always referring to, to try to get my keep myself on course. It revolves around me starting my day, just being quiet, writing things down, reading, and then trying to, to plan each day intentionally. And so one of those big ones is family relationships very important. And so that's why I try not to work too hard because a lot of business owners and including me when I first started, a lot of business owners are like, they have great intentions in getting started. It's going to be freedom, but they ended up becoming slaves and they don't, they get trapped and they didn't even realize it. I think that's definitely a common error of entrepreneurship. I know I've experienced that. You trade a full-time job for two full-time jobs. I got a question for you, Rena, because you're a mother and you're an entrepreneur. What happens when you're working and your kids need you? What do you do? The kids come first. It's it's a constant juggle. It's a constant juggle. I mean, even this morning, I committed to something at 11 a.m. and it was grandparents' day and I met you know, one of the kids' grandmas at the school and had to make sure I was out of there by 1030. Yeah, they come first. They have to. Yeah. You know, I've been asked to go to different conferences coming up and, you know, I don't necessarily always have coverage for that. I've flown in my in-laws before when I had a shoot or when I was working an event and sometimes I have to say no. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, well, (laughs) it's hard because here's what you got to remember is that the kids are going to remember that. Like, I promise you, they're going to remember. So they're going to remember if you're at the kitchen table and you're working on something and they say, mom or dad, I really need you right now. And you say, I'm too busy. Like, I promise you, they're going to remember that. And I'll, I'll tell you one thing, like with my dad, I can't, and and this is the 100% truth. I can't remember very, very little of the things that he told me, but I remember everything that he did. Tell me some of what he did. One of them is that he was a very hard worker provided for the family, right? So that was a great example for me, an amazing example. And I have done that, right? Whether he wanted to teach me or not, that's what he modeled. And so that's what I've done. Interesting. It really is what we model, which sometimes we have to pivot what we model. (laughs) 
we always have to pivot what we model. We have to be aware of what we're doing. And so that's why that question about what are we going to say when we're working and our kids ask us for their attention? Because that's just so important. I mean, we can't, we could maybe set some boundaries, like we still need to work, right? Kids can't run the show, but okay, I, I have one hour right now. This is my time. And then after that, you get time. And then you lay out the definitions, you lay out the boundaries and you follow that. Casey, I have four kids. You have nine. I do not know how you give each one of those kids enough special time. Please tell me like what that looks like. It's obviously a lot, a lot more difficult with more kids. And it's something you still, you have to, the more kids you have, the better you have to do at managing your time. So if you're not going to do it, then, then there's a real problem there. And so that's where the more intentional you have to become. And so obviously it's been a challenge for me and I haven't always done it the right way. But one thing I do, I guess a couple thing, key things I do is I take the kids out to dinner. You know, I switch that out. And sometimes with my wife and I, like the other day we had a date, but she could make it because she got hurt. And it was like a leadership function at my local church because I'm, I'm a church leader. So that was a Christmas leadership dinner. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to this thing alone. So I wanted to take my daughter instead of my wife. And so I did. And that worked out really well. She loved it because everybody there was paying attention to her because she's it's a room full of old people. She's the only young person there. And uh, she got a lot of attention. She absolutely loved it. Well, you always have a sub in. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Right. If one kid doesn't want to go, you're like, somebody's going to want to go. Right. Yeah. And I don't, I, I do that all the time. As a matter of fact, I'm taking a trip tomorrow. I'm taking two of my kids on this trip. Yeah. So that's a great thing. Traveling. So business travel, whatever. I take kids with me. Do they try to compete for your attention? Yes. Yes, they do. And how do you manage that? Well, it's some of them do and some of them don't. Some of them I have to like pursue them. Right. And like, so for example, I'm taking a trip tomorrow. I had to ask like many different kids before I found some that said yes. It's like, why don't you want to go? This is going to be amazing. You know, it's funny, different personalities. My, my default, my default response is always yes to just about everything. Cause that's kind of how I am. I'm like a go-getter. I don't want to miss anything, but some of some people, their default is no to everything. It's just but those are the ones that need it the most. It, exactly. And those are the ones that I'm like, I asked you first, cause I know you need this the most. No, I sometimes I make them go, but I, I try to let them make their own decisions within reason. Have you tried to teach any of them how to trade? Yes. Yes, I have. I, I model investing too. It's so important. My story was that when I, my dad taught me when I was young, but when I was in the army, I joined the army at 19. I put most of my money into the stock market. And so Rena, guess how much money I made when I was 19 in the army? Not much. $800 a month. So, I mean, you're a young kid. That was a lot for, for me and they pay for your food and your housing. So that's, so that's pretty good. But I put a lot of my money into the market. I was in for four years. And then when I got out, I had over $30,000 in the stock market. Well, you did something, right? So did your dad teach you that? He got me interested in it, didn't really teach me. He He's the one that planted the seeds. But you don't, the secret is just get started. You don't even need to know what you're doing. I didn't know what I was doing. Just start putting in. I put in every single paycheck and that slowly adds up. And that's kind of the thing that I'm trying to teach my kids is that slowly put your money doesn't have to be a lot. Just take a little bit and invest it in something. You want to buy things that make money, 
whatever it is, it doesn't necessarily have to be stocks, but buy things that are going to make you money. And then in the end, that's going to be cash flow producing things for you. And you're going to be much better off in, rather than buying stuff that doesn't make, you know, like TVs and, you know, those things are fine. But when I was in the army, everybody was broke. They were living paycheck to paycheck and they didn't have anything to show for it. Did you start thinking about that then? I think I was just, it was kind of drilled into me from my my parents and grandparents. You know, my grandparents were both born during the depression. And so they didn't have a lot as yeah. kids. And so they, like, they're just so conservative when it comes to spending money. And I think that was just kind of built into me. And so it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to spend a lot of money. I'm going to save money and I'm going to put that into the stock market. Have your thoughts around that at all changed? No, no, they haven't. I think it's probably, it's, we flipped, you know, life is like a pendulum, right? You go really extreme on the saving side and then people just get too extreme and then they go way extreme. And I think now our culture is extreme on the other side. The depression era was extreme on the saving side. Now we're on the extreme on the, the kind of the wasteful side. We kind of need a medium balance there, I think. But you are a man of God. I mean, you're a believer. Don't you think it all comes from above? Oh, totally. I totally do. And I, I believe that everything comes from God. And I believe that he owns it all and that he that we're stewards of what he gives us. And so therefore, I need to be wise with what he's given me. Have you ever talked to your grandparents or your parents about money or their relationship with money? Yeah. Yeah, I have. I talk to my dad about it all the time. My dad, so my dad still trades to this day. And so we talk about that like all the time. Like we, I call my dad probably once or twice a week and we talk about what's going on in the markets and he's telling me about his strategy on what he does. Actually, he came to visit me last month and we were, he came to work with me and we were trading together in the office and that was just a lot of fun. And so, you know, we, we talk about it, that all the time. It's been very good. Does it ever get heated? Do you ever disagree with each other? Well, our styles are totally different, but I never disagree. I just, we're not a, the same at all in, in how we do it, but I love to see what he's doing and he likes to see what I do. I love that. Have you talked about legacy and what you want to carry on? You know, the biggest thing I, I think is with legacy, we want to be remembered for what kind of an impact we have. Right now, I was, you know, when you mentioned my grandparents, my grandfather last week just passed away and he was 92. And so actually that's the reason why I'm traveling is because I'm going to go to his funeral. And oh uh, it's a Casey, I'm sorry. It, it's a, it's a very, very difficult, but he had a great life, right? So I'm really super thankful for the relationship that I had with him. And that's pretty, pretty awesome. And so when you think about that, it's like, okay, I'm just really, really thankful for the impact that he had and all of the relationships that he had and being able to see that, that influence. And so some really cool things that that I want to share about that. So first of all, my grandparents were married 77 years. What? Yeah. <laughs> that is incredible. Oh my God. That's newsworthy. So I just do the math. I never do math online <laughs> because I'm so bad, but if they, if they're both 92 and they were married 77, <laughs> what year did they get married? 76. They were married 76 years. Pretty young. I don't know exactly how old, but like maybe 18 or something. That is newsworthy. And the other thing is like, whenever I was, they invested a lot of time in me 
And so they had a lot of grandkids, but they invested a lot of time in all of the grandkids. So the, again, when I said things you remember, like I honestly remember them taking me and my cousins and my brothers and, and they would take us and they would take us camping and they would take us in the woods and take us hiking. And we remember those. I mean, I really remember the time that they they invested in me and it made a big difference. And maybe not so much when you're a kid, you have fun with them, but then you realize it so when you're older, when you're when you're wiser, you're like, they did that on purpose, right? To, they invested they in the relationship. You. I mean, parents yeah. usually do that. The grandparents, how freaking cool are they? Well, here's the thing. Okay. This is what I want grandparents to think about because grandparents have an amazing influence because they don't like kids don't, they love their parents, but they don't always look up to them. Right. Like my, my kids think that I'm kind of not that smart. Right. But they really respect grandparents. And it's just a kind of, I don't know why it is, but they really do. And they, they just love their grandparents. And so grandparents have an amazing opportunity to influence young kids and they don't have to deal with all the stuff the parents have to deal with. Right. They don't have to, you know, they're in that, that season of life where they can be purposeful and really speak into their grandchildren's lives. And so that's one of the things I learned from my grandparents. And I'm going to do that when I have grandkids. I love that so much. I hope that some grandparents listen to this and they're like, what special can I do for my grandkids to, right. to give them an experience? I really like, that's actually been a huge shift for me. You see, I had a very close relationship with my grandparents too. And I just, I feel like lately in my life, I have really been trying to focus on more experiences with my kids. I mean, through this pandemic, they, they need it so much. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I moved away and got married. When you get married, <laughs> you're stuck with where you move to. I mean, I could move, we can move back, but I'm keeping, my wife's in Pennsylvania. That's where I live. And so my family's from Oregon. And so we're separated. Well, we're not separated, but I'm separated from my parents and my grandparents and all of that. So because I wanted to continue that influence, I made the decision. This was an intentional decision to every single year go and visit my family in Oregon. The thing is, that was very difficult because it's like 2,800 miles. And when you have a lot of kids, it's very expensive. And so we would go one month during the summer and I would get all nine of my children in the minivan or not the minivan, the big full-size van. And we would drive from Pennsylvania all the way to Oregon every single year. I love that. Oh my God, are you brave? <laughs> yeah, well, no, not, it's not brave. It's being intentional. I realized how important those relationships were. And it was kind of like, it really felt like it was something that God wanted me to do. Family is important. These relationships are important. And you're going to demonstrate that by taking your children and taking them to go visit their family every year. I just got chills from that. How incredible is that? Wow. The gas stations are fun. The kids love the gas stations. Well, you know, honestly, the experiences are going to be much better years when everyone gets older because during the time it's like people trying to kill each other because they're like looking at me the wrong way, you know, and it's been good because my wife is, she's a control freak and she hates it when I drive. And so if I drive, she's like yelling, you're on the, she's, she'll go speed up. 
wait, no, no, slow down. Get on the right side of the road. What are you doing? So now after a couple trial runs, I realized it's probably better just to let her drive. And so, so she drives and then I get on my laptop at work. And so I'm trying to work, like do business stuff, right? Because we have internet on the road. So I'm working, the kids are in the back and my wife's driving and it's just total chaos the whole way. Well, now that you have multiple six-figure streams of income, haven't you thought maybe you should fly or is the, is the trek out there like part of the experience now? I love to fly and I want to fly, but not everyone in the family is on board with that. Like my wife again, <laughs> she's, she hates flying. Yeah, I, I get nervous. I hate turbulence, but at the same time, 2,800 miles is far. It's the time, right? Because we, it's like four or five days just to get out there and then four or five days to come back. Plus you're there for two weeks. So it's about a month. That's commitment. Yeah. That's yeah, intention. So. I give it to you. That's really incredible. Wow. Wow. I mean, have there been any kids that are like, I don't want to go? Yes. Yes. But I, but they always like it afterwards. They're always glad afterwards. And, you know, so now in light of my grandfather passing away, it's like, wow, I'm so glad that we did this. Like, it's like, just so thankful that we made the decision to do that. Wow. Is there anything that you would like to talk about that you remember about him? I'm sure you've been thinking about that. Yeah. You, uh, I think one of the other big influences was with me being a person that believes in God. And that didn't happen until I was 27. But I always saw my grandparents when I would stay with them, they would always be reading their Bible and they would always pray together every morning. And they we're just so consistent with that, right? And so again, that was another thing that really, really impacted me. And then also just the the results of that activity, because just of the family unit that they were creating, they've got four kids, all of their kids have really good relationships with them, great grandchildren, all of their grandchildren have good relationships. And then now they've got like 30 or 40 some great grandkids and all of them have good relationships. And so it was just this amazing, they were like the center, the pillars of the family. It's just amazing to be able to see how that came together over so many years. Okay. That definitely makes me want to pray more. Do you really attribute it to that? 100%. <laughs> actually 110% because I'm a guy, I'm 27 years old. I saw what they were doing, but I didn't want anything to do with that. I went for, as far away from it because I wanted to go and live how the world was living and not let them know what I was doing and do my own thing. And then when I'm 27, God just got a hold of me and I had nothing, no interest in it at all. How did God get a hold of you? And I also <laughs> want to know a little bit about that chapter of you like living in the world. <laughs> Well, I was, I just had a realization that I wasn't living a good life, right? Like I was just realized that I was not a great person and I was doing a lot of things that I probably shouldn't have been doing, but I was in the army still. And this friend gave me a book and it was called Purpose Driven Life. And I was reading the book and there was a chapter in there about God knowing you before you were born. He says, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. And so I, when I read that, I was like, I just came totally undone. And I just prayed. I said, Lord, I need you. <laughs> and, and like, I had this peace, like I felt the presence of God come over me. And, and I knew that my circumstances were still in, kind of rough, but 
like I felt like God saying, no matter how difficult things are, I'm with you. I absolutely love that. And now I want to know what you pray for now. Well, now I have, I'm praying for my family. I'm praying for my family that they have God's wisdom, that they have the knowledge and understanding of God and that he will give them, that he will reveal himself to them. Do you have the same conversation like when you were 27 and you're like, seriously, God, help me out? Like, do you ever have that <laughs> conversation? <laughs> you mean like I need help? Yes, all the time, all the time. Things don't get easier. You know that, right? Especially you... juggling nine kids and multiple streams of income and business and a podcast. You wear a lot of hats as a community member. Yeah, that's true. And I feel like success is moving from failure to failure, right? You just keep making mistakes. You just keep pushing through, keep pushing through. So I'm always needing God's prayer and God's, not God's prayer, but God's support. As you reflect on how far you've come and what you thought this was all going to be like, do you have any realizations? The realization was that if I look at maybe some accomplishments that I may have had, that things don't always go according to the way that you think that they're going to go. You know, when I started out with this thing, I had great intentions and I wanted to do all these great things. And, you know, when you go from failure to failure, it's really difficult because you look back and you're like, man, they just didn't go the way that I was hoping they would go. That's interesting. Is there anything that you wouldn't do again? Everything I would do exactly the same. It's just I have not been as effective. And so when I say things that didn't go the way they that I was hoping or expecting, I was maybe expecting things to be a little cleaner, like with my family, like all this big, happy, joyful, loving family, everybody giving each other hugs and praying together and all this wonderful things that I had in my mind, like when I, it's not like that, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, we're struggling. We're, we don't get along all the time where my kids are fighting with each other. And I didn't have that planned. That wasn't my plan. My plan is for everyone to be one big, happy family. It's definitely not easy. Yeah. Have you had to put your foot down at all? Yes. Yes. I think that's a really important part of being a, a parent. And the biggest part about putting my foot down is trying to stay on the same page with my wife and so that we can have a united front. Oh, that's and so that important. is so hard because, Ooh. you know, we don't always agree on everything. And so if we're not in agreement, then that can split things apart. And so I'm where we work hard at making sure that we get on the same page, because then if we put if we drop the hammer and we're together, then then we can do it. But if we're opposed, if dad does this and then mom's saying that, then it doesn't work. Especially with nine kids. They'll, they'll pit yeah. you guys against each other, right? Completely. Yeah. Yeah, completely. Totally. The kids are very smart. <laughs> you, would you know that? Well, I do know that you guys do date night. How long have you been doing that? We've been pretty consistent with that for doing it for a long time. And it, it is, it's, again, it's difficult to keep it going because of life and with the kids doing things and stuff. But when you're busy and when you have a lot of things on your plate, it's important to stay intentional with your relationships. And that's really the number one relationship for me is to make sure that my wife and I's relationship is continually growing. Does God come first or your wife? God comes first, always. Is there anything that you'd like to ask my dad? Well, you know, I have enjoyed listening to your dad's feedback and I've enjoyed listening to your show. I've listened to so many episodes 
any type of response that he would have about any of the things I've said, I would be very open to hearing any of his comments, feedback, whatever. And this year has been a very, I know you said that he was involved in the market. So I thought I'd ask him a market question. (laughs) This year has been a down year for the stock market. And so I was just curious if he thought that that was going to continue for the next year or so. And if he had any investment ideas. I love that question. Can I throw that back at you? What is your thoughts about the market? Well, that's one of the reasons why I asked, because it's a tough question. (laughs) Yeah, I'll definitely Um, have something to say um, about it. Right now, I feel like the reason that we've had some problems is because of inflation. Mm -hmm. And so the prices of a lot of things have increased. And it's causing the average person to really have a hard time because your paycheck just isn't going far enough to cover certain things, even the basics like food. And so I feel like that's really the the cause of this. And so to combat that, the government is raising the interest rates, which slows down the flow of money. If the money supply decreases that could start to hurt some of the businesses. And so I think that possibly if things aren't handled right, we could see another down year next year. Interesting. Well, I am excited to hear what my dad has to say about that. You know, I've been actually trying to get my dad to teach me how to invest. I'm like, dad, how much longer do we have where like, you're going to really be able to break it down. But my dad, he does a lot of like shorts and puts and cover calls and all this stuff. And the way that he explains it, I don't get it. Like, how hard is it to break it down to your kids? Like, that's why I asked you that question. Like, it really has to be for people that have no exposure to it, like on a very rudimentary, simple language level. That's true. And it's, there's so many different strategies. That's the thing that kind of can can make it different because like doing options is, is definitely a more advanced strategy and it's a great strategy for basics. For basics, I would say, try to find things to invest in, take a little bit out of every single, all, every time you get paid, I try to put something in because that's important, right? Like just take a little bit out of every paycheck. And I recommend, I think everyone should do that. I, I just think that that's like a fundamental thing that everyone should do. As far as that, learn a little bit about stocks to invest in. Pick some stocks. And the biggest thing to know, know is to manage your risk. When the stock is tanking, close it. Don't hold it till it goes to zero. Take your money out and then put it into something else that's working. And I also heard you talk about on one episode that you thought Robinhood was novel because they didn't charge commission. Do you use Robinhood? Not that I'm endorsing them or anything, but. So my dad uses Robinhood and he really likes them. And what I love about Robinhood, I don't use them. So no. Okay. But I love them because they were industry disruptors. They got the young people involved. It's only on, I mean, it's on desktop, but it's mainly on your phone. You know how young people love phones. And so it's an app. And they just got so many young people involved in trading. They didn't charge any commissions, kind of a bare bones, but they were just a real game changer. They disrupted the industry. And so now a lot of people to catch up with them, they dropped the commissions. And so back in the day, you paid a lot of money to trade. And now it's free, primarily because of Robinhood. I mean, that's another thing I was talking to my dad about is that if you don't have to have a wealth manager and you can manage your own money, I mean, how much are you saving there? Right. And, and I, in the, being in the trading industry, I talked to a lot of 
people and so many people have got burned by their wealth managers, right? And so no one's going to care about their money about as much as you, right? It's your money. The wealth managers, they're just getting a commission. They're going to get that. So it's hard to find someone that you trust. Very. Now talk to me a little bit about these three streams of income that you have created for yourself. I mean, that is truly amazing. Investing and trading (laughs) is one stream of income, right? And that's a great, great way to create revenue. And then there's my website and my business. And so in 2008, when I was working a job and investing, but I was in construction and the construction industry dried up because we had a recession in 2008. And so I jumped onto creating a website because I couldn't get work. And so I was like, okay, I have money in the market but I want to see if I can get another stream from, plus the market was really down that time. The market took a big crash. So I'm going to start a website and see what happens. And so I found this article. It was called how to make a thousand dollars a month online. And so I read that article and I followed the instructions. And that was in 2009, January 1st, I launched my website And so at that point, by the end of 2009, I was making enough money for my website that I didn't ever have to go back to work again. It's remarkable. Truly. I think I need that first article that you read. (laughs) Do you still have it? You should like frame that. Well, it's online, so you can't frame (laughs) it. (laughs) I should print it. I had the last time I looked, it was still there, but it's really old. So I should probably print it. It was on a website called associateprograms.com. I should try to find that. I can send it to you. Seriously, um, that changed your life. Yeah. And, and you know what's funny about this, Rena, is I've had so many people over the years ask me about that. I always send it to them and no one's ever done it but me. I send it to them and like, really? Here, just do this. And no one's ever done it. I'm the only one. <laughs> It made such a difference for you though, huh? Completely. It really did. I mean, it didn't take that long either. I just, I started writing content online and it was a different time though. Yeah. It it was nowadays it, I don't know if it would work the same because there's social media wasn't really even a thing there. It was just barely getting started social media. So Facebook was only like four years old at that point. Timing matters. yeah. Yeah. And so that was one stream of income. And then the other stream is my podcast, right? The podcast is generated a stream of revenue. And so that's, that's three podcast trading. And then my website, it's truly, truly incredible. And I know like some of your goals are to potentially expand into website. I know you do a daily zoom where you give trading ideas and you have kind of a community around that. Can you talk a little bit about that? Right now? I, Every day I do a little market update where I just show people what's going on in the market, what I'm looking at, what I'm thinking about doing. And I'm going to be hosting that for a little while, but that's a real time thing. So I'm training someone to take my spot on that one. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, I can understand that completely. Is that a paid group? It is. Yes. Yeah, I would hope so. Okay. Is there anything else on the horizon? Like what's on the bucket list? I have a lot of stuff on my bucket list. Yeah, I have a lot of stuff. I think that's really, I think it's important for people to keep having things to strive for. Oh yeah. So I've got a lot of things on my business bucket list, which is just to continue to grow. I want to hit my short-term goal is to hit $20 million a year in revenue. And I'm nowhere close to that, but that's my goal. I've got a goal to go and hike across the Grand Canyon. 
I have a goal to do a marathon. I just did a 70 mile hike in the woods by myself. And so that was a lot of fun. That was one of my bucket list items. 70 miles by yourself. Okay. What popped into your mind during that? It, well, that's a great thing. Like, so if you're a person that has nine kids and is constantly at doing business meetings and all kinds of meetings, you don't typically have a lot of alone time, maybe a little bit in the miles. morning, but it's just so amazing being totally isolated in the woods with no one around. It's kind of um, an experience. It's a spiritual trip. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're totally alone. And so like I had my phone, but a lot of the times there wasn't signal because I was in the mountains. And so like I had my, my wife had me tracked in case I fell and was like in a ravine or something. It's interesting. Like it's even hard to describe like just what it's like to be totally alone, for, especially for me. I'm not a, fortunately, I don't have that problem. I'm not like a lonely person. I'm very thankful that I don't have that. But when, but when you're alone in the woods for four days by yourself, it was just really interesting. Yeah. I mean, before that probably hadn't been alone in a while. Not like that. And not just totally in nature and being isolated, being in nature is so, so cool. Did you come across any animals? Did you have any like spiritual revelations? Well, I did. And I, you know what I did is I wrote each of my kids a letter and <gasps> I, I, love I, that. I sent them, I wrote them, wrote it on my phone. And then I sent them all an email from me, just some things that I was seeing in their lives and some things that I wanted to uh, leave them with. I love that. Is there anything that you could share? I like to encourage my kids with their special giftings, right? I, I like to find gifts. Everybody's got, see, this is a, a great thing to focus on is if you can find what people are good at and then tell them about it, that's really powerful because a lot of times people don't know what they're good at. They can't see it for themselves. And so you can see it and then explain it to them. And then it's really impactful. So here's a little Here's a little thing that I do for myself and that I, I learned it through a book written by Perry Marshall. And he said, send five or six of your friends an email and ask them, what is my one special ability? And then, then they'll give you a response and then you compile all of that. And it kind of gives you like this book about your giftings. And so I use that for me, but then I do that for my kids. It's like, okay, I want to tell them what their special giftings are. I want to empower them to go after things. That is tremendous. And I'm going to now text each one of my kids. Well, not the three-year-old, but my older. <laughs> She's on her phone. <laughs> yes. I totally want to tell them something that I see in them. That's a gift. I think that that is such a beautiful message. Thank you for that. I love that. What gifts have you discovered about yourself? So in that thing, one of my, a lot of the people said the same thing. <laughs> so that's kind of confirming, right? A visionary and an action taker, right? So I, that's a big one for me is I see things and then I take steps to do it and I'm not afraid and I don't wait for everything to be perfect, right? I don't wait for everything to be perfect. I just push through. And so that's kind of like a, a common trait for, I think, for entrepreneurs. Some people get paralyzed by uh, details, Fortunately for me, I don't have that. But now that I'm, I've got a team around me, I can get some people, some detail people like around me. Like I was talking earlier about my assistant, like she's a detail person. Like if I say, I'm going to go do this and I don't have a plan, she's like, okay, well, I need to know this, 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 and this, and this, and this. And I'm like, what do we need all these details? Let's just go do it. You know? 
I'm definitely so I need people like that taker too. I am not really the detail person. I could probably use an assistant like yours. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's it's nice to have some complimentary gifts around you, and and, and that's a big thing with the kids too on the gifts is they have a tendency to compare themselves to each other or other people. And, and I'm like, you know what? Comparison can be good if you're trying to spur yourself to great deeds, but don't be comparing yourself to this other person because that's not you. You have different talents, you have different circumstances, and you have different things going on in your life. So if you're upset because you're not doing what this person's doing, or even me as a dad, if I'm not, I'm doing it for this kid, but not for you, it's not because I'm trying to to pick on you. It's because you have a different gifting. Don't try to be this person, be you. Do the things that you're good at. Have you ever tried though, in the beginning before you had as much as you do figure it out, try to make them something that they weren't? Oh man, that is such a good question. I think that's a big trap for parents. We see things for them, uh, goals for them, things that we want them to do. We can kind of push them into it. I have, I have done that. I try not to. I try not to. Also, have they asked for things or wanted to do things that you didn't approve of? And like I said, you're just like, no, that's not what we're going to do. Yes, I there. There's definitely things that I don't approve of, but the the biggest thing is <laughs> with kids, and and I get this. I would say that listening to counsel, you can give counsel, and then that's I just let it go after that. This is what I would do, and if you don't do that, that's okay. That's your choice. Because like I, I'm in business, and so some of my kids want to do business things, and they're like, Dad, give me these ideas. What can I do? Right. <laughs> And so I, okay, I'm excited. Thank you for asking me. I really appreciate that. It makes me feel good that you're asking for my advice. And then I go ahead and tell them a bunch of things and then they go and do the exact opposite. And then they're like, dad, it's not working. At that point, here's what comes into my brain. Look, you got a guy who's got a lot of experience and you did the exact opposite of everything that I, that I said would work. And you're surprised that it's not working? Hmm. I don't say that because that's kind of like an I told you so moment. But instead, I'm like, okay, well, what can you do? You know, because you can only give your advice. You can't make people follow it. Yeah. Who do you go to for advice and for counsel? Because we don't know at all. So, Rena, I think that that's one of my big secrets. I've got a couple secrets, but that's one of them. And that is get around really, build relationships with really good people. That's been the big one for me is having people in my life that I can go to. And so I've got some really solid men that I can go to in whatever area too. There's like no boundaries, right? So if I'm having marriage issues, there's guys I can go to that have successful marriages, right? Like I can talk to my grandfather or I could, right? 70 years of marriage, like boom, there it is. I got somebody. right? Go to someone who's successful and then learn from them. And that's, that's been really powerful for me is having, I've got men, I've joined masterminds too. Nice. Masterminds in business. And a big one for me has been my pastor at church, build a relationship with, with me. What, how, how about you? How does that work in your life? Yeah, no, I I'm definitely in agreement with that, but honestly, I mean, not just the show name. I literally call my dad for everything. Like, I feel like 
he's, you know, been married for 44 years and he is a loyal son and a loyal father and a loyal brother. And he has really good traits and I value his opinions. And (laughs) you know, what's interesting about doing this show together, I really feel like he has learned from the 300 people that we've interviewed too. He really takes to heart you know, people's personal experiences and stories. And, and two, he, he ran a business with his parents for 40 plus years. So he is, he has learned a lot from the people around him, the good and the bad. Yeah. That's a lot of wisdom and that's wise of you to draw from it. Yeah. All right. Better call daddy. Let people know how they can find you and connect with you, Casey. And I really love so much of everything that you shared with me. Thank you for being so vulnerable. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show. I know that I was stalking you online for like forever until I got- I appreciate it. <laughs> like you were on my list. Like I was not going to let up until you let me on the show. <laughs> That's so cool. Thank you. And, and don't let up now. I mean, we could do a follow-up or something. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Once you get the relationship, you don't want it to go. It, so you, they can find me on my website, tradingstrategyguides.com. Amazing. And I can't wait and, to hear what my dad yeah. says about his thoughts on the market. That's cool. Nobody's asked him that. I'm glad to get something unique. You are amazing. You are a blessing. And my deepest condolences about your grandfather and strength in, in going on your trip. Uh, well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Now. Let's switch it over to Grandpa. This is your episode with Casey. He sounds like he could be my brother. He'll like that. The funny part is is that he's got his priorities very similar to mine. Number one, God comes first. Number two, he wants to be a relationship builder. The only way you really can do that is if you have a full perspective of learning. Schooling is great, but that hands-on learning is very, very important. And also getting that mentorship from grandparents and parents and getting that legacy or generational understanding that there's a much bigger picture to life than just yourself or your generation. And he has all of that, just like I do. You know, whether you're working hands-on in a factory like I did, a metal working factory, making lighting reflectors, or whether you're a construction man and you're running a business, or if you're a farmer, getting that hands-on outside, getting outside, getting your hands dirty. You know, it's, it's, it's called being down to earth. I think that's also a very important ingredient for someone to be able to mature and be successful is that they're always willing to listen to others, they're always willing to learn, and they're always seeking out relationships where they want to be true to them. So loyalty, dedication are very important ingredients. That's why even serving in the Army or the Armed Forces, you learn that camaraderie or being on a, a team in school. It's not just about learning in school. It's also learning the social aspect of learning as well. And Casey has that. And he's found his niche also where he understands finance. He understands hands-on business. He's uh, been able to put together in today's time using the tools of websites and podcasts and being able to understand what value really is. He's been able to be a successful trader in the market. I'd like to think that I also do the same thing and understand value in the market. And also from the lessons and the bumps along the way to be able to do it in a manner where we try to, even though I'm a risk taker, but to try to hedge my bets and to be in a position where you can ride out a storm. And usually there's many ways of making money when times are bad. You want to talk about the down market? That goes along with the question that he asked you. Well, this past year, the Dow was down 20%. 
The NASDAQ was down 33%, which normally would have killed most investors. But with my short-term trading and long-term trading and rollouts and hedging, as you know, because I play a lot of puts and calls, the fact is, is that I think I was closer to an 8% profit for the year where I have a big tax bill that I got to pay as soon as I get home. I would think that if you can beat the market by 28 points or 41 points in a bad year, you might not make as much in a good year where you know where the market went up a straight 17% for a couple of years in a row. And I also was only making 8 or 9%, but it sure feels pretty good when everybody else is losing and you're still making 8 or 9%. I'd say that that's a pretty good track record. I think so. I think also you might like Casey's podcast. Well, like I said, he's a real person, just like your father likes to give everybody the benefit of the doubt and give people second chances and try to figure out ways of getting along with people, even some people that I don't necessarily agree with, whether it's their morality or their ethics or values or the way they've treated me, but always trying to do the right thing, always trying to be a good guy. I don't want to be a sucker, but I always would rather give everybody the benefit of the doubt. If they continue to prove that they're not worthy of that that rating that you're giving them. No, eventually you have to, like I said, not just keep your guard up, but you have to you have to try to distance yourself from those type of relationships. Didn't Casey also say that in order for him to be successful, he surrounds himself with good people. He surrounds himself with smart people, people that can take initiative, people that he can team with. And I'm trying to do exactly the same thing. Because my side hustles is not just trading in the market, but I'm still running the business with former employees. I have rental income. I've been able to buy and sell equipment. I've been able to pivot and learn how to do many different things, even trying to help my daughter run a podcast. I just wish she'd add a song to it. (laughs) You're doing pretty good. What he's also done is been able to show that his grandfather set the stage of being able to do things that were real with the grandkids and outside activities and not being just with board games and not just in on the computer, as you would say, but to go out there and see the world, be part of it, live and breathe it, be outside and see the miracles of God's creations, I think is very meaningful for relationship building, but it also gives you, you know, uh, puts you in a mood of awesomeness, you know, of, of nature. I think that's great. And he challenges himself to be part of that. I tip my hat off to him for that. Yeah, really remarkable. Also, I loved when he went on that 70-mile hike by himself and then realized that he needed to share with his children what he thought their gifts were. I thought that that was really beautiful, too. Yeah, that's that's another really great thing, is that he had mentors that were always encouraging him and having him shoot for to be the best that he can be and find what he's really, and search out what you're really great at. And for you to figure it out, and it doesn't have to necessarily meet someone else's criteria, that be yourself, go out there and try different things and search out what you're really going to be great at and how you're going to be with people and to promote that and show that everyone can have a different set of gifts. That's what makes you an individual. So I did. I I love that as well. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Better Call Daddy Show, please feel free to review it at ratethispodcast.com slash bettercalldaddy. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. Hold up. 